Is it possible to be a high standards, results-driven leader while at the same time building an engaged, fun-to-work-with team? Many people would contend that doing either of these things well makes it almost impossible to succeed at the other. And yet, our examination of 360-degree assessment data for more than 60,000 leaders showed that leaders who were rated in the top quartile on both skills ranked in the 91st percentile of all leaders. It seems that not only is it possible to do both things well, but the best leaders are the ones who manage to do it. Today we are talking about the balance of managing engagement and results. Welcome to the 90th percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zenger Folkman. Using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th percentile. I'm Brianna Corin, and joining me today is my good friend and leadership guru, Jack Sanger. It would be appropriate to say I'm looking forward to this very fun experience with you, Shannon. <laughs> so... I'm wondering, from your vast personal experience that you've had, if you've ever worked with someone who really just wanted so badly to have the label of being the fun boss, and how did that end up working out for him or her? You know, I had a boss who really early in my career deliberately did things on occasion to make work fun, but that was maybe not his major pattern. I would observe, though, that my wife has a, a strong philosophy about raising children. And not long after we were married, said she, she thought good parenting had three elements, love, work, and fun. And they all have to be present to be, be successful. She's convinced me because I've seen it work. And I have long been convinced that the same principles that apply to being a good parent are the ones that apply to being a good leader in an organization. That is a fantastic point. And fun is a big part of relationships. So in one aspect, and why I kind of brought up that question, is I was reading this article that was talking about leadership ethics. And it was by Kimberly Nye. And she said that trying to be liked and be known as the fun boss can actually tarnish your reputation in the long run. She said, quote, it's okay to stay out of the limelight and keep some space between you and your team. It sends signals that you are there for their professional benefit and that they can rely on you when needed. So I think there is some potential wisdom to that. So let's dig a little deeper into that about promoting relationships and engagement while at the same time really focusing on driving for results. We've looked at the leaders in our database who do this well. And sadly, <laughs> there aren't very many of them. Uh, specifically, you and Joe isolated leaders who ranked in the top quartile on both driving for results and people skills. And you found that only 13% of leaders in our data fit this profile. So this did leave us with a set of 7,800 leaders to analyze. So that's something. We still had quite a few to look look at, even though it's 13%. So Jack, what did we learn? <laughs> well, to start off, we found that younger leaders excelled in this ability to run an effective and yet fun team environment. Leaders who were under 30 years of age were two to three times as likely 
to be effective at both driving for results and creating engagement than their older compatriots. Nearly one-third of the group under age 30 achieved both priorities well. But around age 40, it seems, leaders appear to have made a choice between being results-driven or more interpersonally strong. From there forward, only 10% of leaders in any age group would do both things well. Oh, wow. That is kind of sad. (laughs) I get it, though. In my 20s, I could stay up way late and get up really early. You have a lot of energy. But still, older leaders, they have more experience. (laughs) They've seen what works and what doesn't. So why do you think they stop putting in that energy? (laughs) Well, perhaps younger people place a heavier value on work relationships than the older generations do. Certainly that seems true anecdotally. Young people do seem more interested in having close personal friendships with their colleagues. Older workers are more likely to say, well, you know, work is work and my personal life is my personal life and never the twain shall meet. And perhaps these older colleagues also know more people outside of work and aren't so reliant on their working relationships. And I also think that older colleagues feel less of a need to rely on their human skills, assuming that colleagues will be influenced by their greater experience and their just general wisdom. But we also wondered if the results we found correlated not only with age, but also with position. And indeed, that's what we found. You know, supervisors are much more likely to carry both capabilities than the more senior managers. In fact, supervisors are twice as likely to do things well and both things well than their senior managers. In this case, we we did see some decline in both skills, both the you know driving for results and interpersonal skills with age, but people skills declined more than the drive for results as leaders moved from being a supervisor to a more senior position in top management. So in summary, both skills declined with age and age and position are indeed strongly correlated with each other. It's also more likely that people with less power, such as the supervisors, feel that they have to rely on their people skills if they're going to get the results they want. And senior leaders maybe assume that they can rely on their experience and wisdom and their position. The thing is, older or more powerful managers would also really benefit from emphasizing their human people skills, even if they don't fully realize that. Well, to understand how some leaders are able to perform both of these capabilities well, of being fun and engaging and focused on relationships and driving for results, you and Joe compared the results for the group in the top quartile on both of these skills to all other leaders in the data set. By analyzing the items that showed the most significant differences, you were able to identify six clustered groups of behaviors. These appear to be the behaviors that enable that 13% of leaders to consistently use both sets of leadership skills. Now, you wisely labeled these clusters behavioral bridges because the evidence suggests 
that these bridges enable leaders to simultaneously drive for results and practice good interpersonal skills. Obviously, these outcomes single out leaders as possessing six powerful skills that allow them to perform at much higher levels than those who lack these traits. So we are going to do something a little bit different with this list than we've done in past episodes. We are going to identify the behaviors and how it relates to both sides of the bridge, both driving for results and people skills. So Jack, why don't you start us off with our first behavioral bridge? Okay, the first first bridge was the, the, the practice of communicating clear strategy and direction. And, and how that impacts driving for results is that, you know, a, attaining great results hinges on everyone having clarity about the direction the organization is moving in and, and understanding the strategy to achieve it. At the same time, how that Im- impacts the human or people skills is that when people are kind of lost or confused, they quickly become more dissatisfied, whereas leaders who communicate well and provide clear direction have a much more engaged and cohesive team. So the next behavioral bridge is inspires and motivates. And you can see how this applies to both sides. For driving for results, You need to be inspirational to get people to reach those stretch goals. More than three quarters of leaders, 78%, were rated higher on their ability to drive for results than on their ability to inspire and motivate others. We've talked about this before. We know how to push, but we don't know how to pull. When a leader has the ability to drive hard for results and at the same time inspire high effort and performance, they are much more likely to achieve results. So that's why this particular behavior bridges this gap. The next way is people skills. How it applies to that is inspiring behavior unleashes the energy within people to do their best work. Most of us want to make a positive difference in our work and in the world around us. And leaders who inspire, they generate loyalty, commitment, passion and enthusiasm in their team members. And that's the way that they excel at creating a positive work environment. So this particular behavior really does bridge this gap. The third bridge is uh, the, the practice of establishing stretch goals. And I think at first blush, many people would assume, well, that really basically pertains to the importance of driving for, for results setting stretch goals that team members accept gets other people to work harder and raise the bar. The process of setting these stretch goals can be made fun, however, and it can be exciting if the leader involves the team in the right way. And I think the other really important insight is that when stretch goals are collaboratively set with a team, amazing things happen. Work becomes more fun Everyone is kind of all in. People feel valued and competent. And, you know, there's been this long assumption that we make that says, well, happy people are more productive. But the data suggests that the reverse is even more true. Highly productive people are a lot more happy than those who are not as productive. The fourth behavioral bridge isn't one that I think people would naturally think of, and it's 
that these leaders had really high integrity and they inspired trust. So how does this apply to drive for results? If a leader who is not trusted sets a stretch goal, team members will often assume they're being manipulated or taken advantage of by their manager. A trusted leader's motives are beyond reproach. And how it bridges this gap with with people skills is that a key component of building positive relationships with others is being trusted. To be trusted, leaders need to walk their talk. They never ask their team to do something that they're not willing to do themselves. Yeah. And the fifth behavioral bridge uh, involves this practice of leaders developing others. Now, how does that relate to driving for results? You know, leaders who care about the development of subordinates and who take the time to develop these people reap the benefits in the results that get produced. Well-trained people are far more productive. I mentioned earlier that early in my career, I had a boss who on many occasions made things fun. And one of those actions was taking me with him on business trips. In hindsight, it was all about my development. I wasn't making any useful contribution at the time at all. But this boss realized that only by investing in my development would I, in the long term, be able to produce more useful results for this firm. And the impact that it has on on people skills, you know, most people want the opportunity to develop new skills and competencies. That's one of the important reasons people stay in organizations, why, why retention goes up. Leaders who are focused on helping team members develop are always viewed in a more positive light by them. And, and developing others has this twofold impact of both elevating performance and creating a culture that's fun and engaging. It attracts people. And, and just as good parents gain great satisfaction from seeing their children kind of take flight, so good leaders find that same kind of reward and satisfaction as they see their people grow and develop. The last behavioral bridge is a skill that is very underrated in a lot of leaders, and that is your ability to be coachable. These leaders that we saw who had both these skills were coachable leaders. And how being coachable applies to driving for results is that leaders who resist feedback are much like the emperor with no clothes. Since they do not seek or want feedback, people around them do not speak up when something is so obvious. And and because of that, problems slip through the cracks. Deadlines are missed. However, if a leader is open and seeks feedback and is receptive to the advice that they receive, colleagues will not stand by if they see that leader is about to make a mistake. And on the other side of that, with people skills, leaders who ask for feedback from others and work to make improvements are highly respected. Their coachability is an example to everyone around them. It's contagious. Other people see their leader doing it, then they want to ask for feedback well. They realize how important it really is. Yeah. Having the ability to simultaneously drive for results and practice excellent people skills is a really powerful combination that has a dramatic impact on a leader's effectiveness. 
As noted earlier, we found that leaders who possess both of these skills were rated at the 91st percentile in their overall leadership effectiveness. Hopefully you can identify one of those six behavioral bridges that may help you achieve this magic combination as well. The 90th Percentile on Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna O'Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you are interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com.